Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash doctrine. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. I'm Jimmy Fowler, Elder Candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. That's why I don't let you do it. Why? That was good. Because you, you're so sing-songy when you do it. It's weird. It's not, I'm not sing-songy. It was a little sing-songy. All right, here we go. Ready? No, it was good. I'm Joe Thorne, lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship <laughs> and the permanent reader of the introduction no, to the I podcast. No, I can do it. I'm really good at it. I'm really good at it. Okay, I'll do it. Ready? No, it's good. You know what it is? It's hot out here today. It's hot. It, okay, it is hot. I'm sweating. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see that. You're perspiring. I'm glistening. No, I don't know about glistening. Glowing. Glow. Your. Uh, it looks like your head has been polished. <laughs> it has. <laughs> it has. I keep it polished pretty good. So what are we talking about today, Jimmy? Well, today we are going to be talking about abiding in Christ. Yeah, good. I like it. Um, it's one of those topics that seems to be really hard to get a good grasp on. You know, I've, I've read books and articles for years on the subject, and most of the time it's a big, mysterious, nondescript mess of spirituality. I haven't read a lot that's really helpful. I've read a few things that are very helpful, yeah. but, but not a whole lot. And so this will be good for us to, to kind of get into it, look at the main passage, and spend some time talking about it. What, what is the main passage, Jimmy? Uh, John 15. All right, John so let's, 15. Let's turn to John. Open your Bibles 15. to John 15. Open your ESV Bibles to John 15. We use Please the stand at the, as we read the Word of God. All right, here's what Jesus says in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Hmm. So this is... uh, you know, the, the, the big passage that we look to, and it actually says a lot. It tells us a lot about abiding and how to actually do it. And we're not going to cover everything in this passage. No. We are not commentaries. But we do want to hit some of these high points in here to encourage uh, each other and the listeners to, to take this, this idea of abiding very, very seriously. So when we're talking about abiding then, Joe, like what, what is kind of the heart of that? What does it really mean to be abiding, let's. Why don't we just start with kind of a, a general, just overarching idea 
of what it means to abide in Christ. The word itself essentially means to remain or to dwell. Uh, it can mean to follow. Uh, like, I cannot abide by this, you know, means yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go along with it. Um, but abiding really means to, to dwell, to remain, or to follow. It's the basic idea. And when Jesus is talking here about abiding, he connects it to fruitfulness in life. Hmm. Uh, those who abide in Christ are fruitful, they are living, they are useful, and apart from abiding in Christ, we are not those things. Big picture. So then it's it, the essence then of abiding is faith, right? So it's, it's having that faith of, of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he has promised he's going to do. Right, right. It is essentially faith. And, you know, people think like, okay, so I'm supposed to abide in Christ by faith. I guess I just believe more, right? And, well, the answer is, well, yes, we need to grow in our faith. Um, abiding in Christ, though, is is a very active and living faith. Mm. It's a vital faith. It is, um, it is a strong faith insofar as it, it is a continual reliance upon and dependency on Jesus for all that we are and all that we need in this life and in the next. And all that we do. Absolutely all that we do. And that's, that's one, of the, one of the means. We'll talk about that, but that mm -hmm. is one of the means. What we do is one of the means by which we actually abide. So when we're talking about faith being the essence of abiding or remaining with Christ, remaining experientially connected to him, uh, there, this faith is worked out in a couple of different ways. Um, now, before we get to that, let's, I, I, you know, the, the ways that we actually practice abiding, yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about the fruit of abiding. Like, those who abide, what is the, the natural or supernatural consequence of that, according to this passage? Uh, that they're going to bear fruit. Right. It's going to manifest itself in uh, a visual display of your faith in God. Yeah, and he, not just fruit, but he says much fruit. Right? You're going to bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And so that, that tells us a couple of things. On the one hand, you can tell a disciple when you see one. You should yeah. be able to see there's fruit in their life. That's the evidence by which we can go, wow, that, that guy's an actual disciple of Jesus. I can see this. But when we're talking about fruit being born, what does that mean? What is spiritual fruit? Well, I, I mean, I think of the passage in, in Galatians about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness. All the ones that I've memorized and <laughs> uh, looked to quite often. Um, so, yeah, these are the things that are going to be manifested in your life, right? Like, um, it's, it's going to show itself in, in your thoughts. So you're going to see it in your thoughts. Other people are going to see it. Uh, in your attitude and in your words and and uh, and in how you treat them and others. I, I think it's good that you bring that up, like this this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, because I think a lot of us, when we think about fruit, we think about like quantitative things. Like I bear fruit in the size of my church, or oh, I yeah. bear fruit, like you can tell that I'm bearing a lot of fruit because I've led so many people to the Lord. Yep. Um, or this is how big my Sunday school class is rather than the fruit of the Spirit, which I think it's, it's really it's hard to kind of nail that down. It's hard to, to say, oh, look, that love has increased. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to say, oh, look, the goodness has, has over, it's, it's overwhelming, right? Like it's, it's yeah. hard to kind of put your finger on those things um, because I think 
it's it's something that just becomes natural and second nature. Yeah, I think it's hard, especially to to see it in our own lives. You know, like oh yeah, like I can see the fruit of the spirit in your life or in Pastor Pat's life or Pastor Brian's life or whatever. Uh, but it's harder to see in my life when I'm looking at it because and when I'm looking at it, you don't see you don't see it much of it's the fruit. It's kind of hard. Oh, okay, well look closer, dang. Do I Come even on, like? Am I even hanging out with a Christian? Oh, that was a callback. Um, so, so it's hard sometimes for us to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because growth is very slow. You yeah. know, if you, Jimmy has these huge trees. They're almost as big as the trees in my yard. Uh, Jimmy has these huge trees along his property line, and um, they're growing all the time. They're growing, and they're bigger now than they were 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. But... Um, you can't see them growing. You can't watch them and see them actually make the progress, you know, up into the sky. Yeah. But if you you kind of mark it, and next year you come out and look, you're like, holy cow, that thing grew half a foot or grew yeah, a foot exactly. or whatever it is. And that's very much how it is, I think, in our spiritual lives. Is we're, we're looking, we're waiting, we're hungry to grow and bear fruit, and we don't see it because it tends to happen very slowly. And the negative side of that then is, uh, you know, there's a negative connotation to that then, whether we are. We're manifesting uh, the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of something else. Right. The fruit of, of sinfulness, the fruit of, of selfishness, of, of idolatry, whatever else. Even like the fruit of moralism. Or yeah, the, the fruit it, of like, moralism. Which could look good. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'm thinking of like, you know, you think of that analogy of, of a frog in water, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's if you just throw it in hot water, it's going to jump out. But if you put it in, in warm water and, and you're increasing the temperature incrementally, it's, you're going to cook the thing. You know, that's a myth. What is is it really a myth? You yeah. you tried. I, You're telling me right now, Joe. You took we homeschool. Frog. Okay. So yeah, man, we tried it. Wait. Yeah, homeschool. That's so how, you, that's what you do in homeschool. You get the frog. You get the frog. You put it in the pot. So for a, a lesson, you killed the frog. No, hot frog jumped right out of there. Even when it was warm, and oh, yeah. the frog, frog was like, I'm out. He's turning up the heat. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I'm looking at you, and I can tell you're already lying. <laughs> no, you're right, man. We we really do um, need to trust the Lord in this, and rely on other people around us to help us to see some of these things that that we don't see. So the so the fruit of abiding, yeah. is fruitfulness. The consequence of abiding is is spiritual growth. So the danger of not abiding is is spiritual death, right? Stagnation, yeah, coldness. You know, I think a lot of us wonder, like, why am I, you know, to go really experiential on people, why am I not on fire? Hmm. You know, not to compare yourself to anyone else, but why is my zeal so gone? Or why is my, why is my heart so cold towards people? Or why is, why is the word of God no longer sweet to me? And, you know, why am I so impatient? And, you know, we just kind of chalk it up and say, like, well, I'm a sinner. I'm really a bad sinner. I'm a super bad sinner. And that's just sort of where I'm at. But really, I think a lot of the time, if we trace it back, it's because we're not actively abiding in Jesus. That's right. So let's get to the uh, to the, the practical end of this passage here. Okay. So if abiding in Jesus is this robust, lively faith, if it means to remain with him experientially, um, what are the means by which we actively Abide, according to John 15. Well, first, if you look at verse 7, mm-hmm. it says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Right. So I think there's that the, uh, going to the word of God, spending time in scripture, uh, in your personal devotions, in your personal study, uh, in your, I'm going to even throw out like community groups and mm-hmm. discipleship groups, um, actually actively listening um, mm-hmm. and receiving God's word on Sunday morning. 
you know, um, during well, the preaching of the word. Yeah. And I, I think those are all then that's how, right? Because we're being confronted with God's word. Uh, we're hearing, uh, God's commands, uh, and we're faced with a decision. Do I, do I follow that? Do I, do I listen to that? Uh, or do I do my own thing? Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you can only get to that point if you're actually spending time in God's word. Right. Right. This whole idea that, you know, I think we, there's, I think there is this implicit idea for a lot of people that um, if I just sort of tuck my ESV study Bible under my pillow at night. Get it by osmosis? Yeah. It's going to kind of, so I like, well, we read the Bible and we walk away. Or, I, well, I went to church today and I heard a sermon. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between hearing a sermon and listening intently to a sermon. Yeah. Like you were talking about. The Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, I'm going larger, not going shorter. Well, I, I think, well, that's pretty going, good. I I'm, think you're compensating. Uh, yeah, because if I say Westminster Shorter Catechism, you're going to go, that sounds about right. It is about right. That's why so, but if can, I, you, well, can you handle it? I'm going to handle it. Uh, no, I just need a back brace. Westminster Larger Catechism, question 160, because it's big. I got to carry <laughs> it. I got a back brace. Here's what it says. What is required of those that hear the word preached? And I love this. What is required of those that hear the word preached? It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God, meditate and confer on it, hide it in their hearts, and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. So it's not just hearing it with our ears, but receiving it with our hearts. It's preparing ourselves before we read it. It's receiving it for what it is, not just the reading from a book, um, not just the words of men, but the very word of God. We're supposed to talk about it with one another and treasure it. And meditate on it, right? Use that word, chewing on it. Prolonged. That's it. Thought uh, on the word of God. So, yes, one of the ways in which we continue to abide in Christ by faith is to take in or to receive the ministry of the word in all of its forms. So that's Bible memorization, studying the scriptures, Mm -hmm. reading the scriptures, hearing the word preached, listening when your spouse says, check this out. Yeah. This just rocked my world. And then you take it in and you don't just let it be something that's having an impact on him or her. You receive it as well. So, okay. First we talked about, okay, we said the word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's second? Well, when you look at the passage here, um, it goes from the word of God to the love of God. Uh, in verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So there's the, the word of God, which encompasses everything from the, the commands to the promises. But then Jesus really dials it in, and he says, if you're going to abide in me, you're going to abide in my love. Mm. And where do we see the love of God and the love of Christ most clearly, most powerfully? At the cross. Right? Uh, God loved us while we were yet sinners. Yeah. You know, Christ died for us while we were sinners. And this is not just a demonstration of God's love in some a general sense. It's not just a metaphor. It wasn't just an example of his love. This love actually secured our salvation by paying the penalty of our sins and satisfying the wrath of God the Father. We are reconciled to God because of his love, this sacrifice, and therefore we have confidence before the face of God. This is what we're supposed to meditate on. This is the heart of abiding in Christ. This is the gospel, right? Pure gospel 
that we receive and that we camp out on. We know that we can abide in Jesus because he loves us. We can derive life and identity from him because we know that we are secure. Hmm. And let me just say this about, about abiding in the love of God. You cannot be too familiar with the gospel. You need to increasingly think of it, go deep with it. And one of the tools to help you do that, a real simple book to read, is A Gospel Primer for Christians by Milton Vincent. Hmm. Uh, great book, little book, that will help you to begin um, thinking deeply about the promises of God and Jesus and what it means for you. If you want to have an experiential faith of, of increasing dependency, then the gospel must be more precious to you than anything else. Absolutely. What about the third? There's a, there's a third way in which uh, we can abide by faith. Yeah, right after uh, in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, actually, so not just hearing the word, uh, but obeying the word. There are things that God has called us to. The, the sen- you know, we talked about before about you know, loving one another. When we're called to, um, to only worship God, we're, we're called to not use coarse language. We're, you know, it, it, so it's actually obeying what Scripture says um, and, and the commands of God for us. Now, this, is, this freaks people out. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there today uh, who would say, like, they would be with us the whole way. Yeah, we abide uh, in in Jesus by resting in His love, yeah. and we abide in Jesus by 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 resting in our justification. Uh, and then Jesus says, "If you want to abide in My love, do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it." Yeah, I think part of it is they they, they think it uh, it smells of legalism. Yeah, it you does know, I mean, to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean even even a question we got it was it today or yesterday. Someone sent us an email about um, whether Luther liked the uh, uh, book of James. The book of James, yeah. right? He's like, well, did he did he really like the book? Or did, you know, was is that true? You know, he's kind of new to all this, so he was asking. Um, and yeah, it's true. Luther struggled with with James, and he struggled with the sense that. Uh, in James, we're, we're told to obey, right? Because I think for him, maybe it felt like it was anti-gospel. It was right. anti-living by faith. It was anti-receiving. And remember his context too, right? Yeah. He's he's going against the Catholic Church. He's, he's coming he's, out of legalism. He's coming out of legalism. So anything that smells to, in his mind of legalism, he's going to fight against it, combat it. Right. Uh, and I think that he struggled with with James. And th- and this is why it's really important for us to let the word of God be our rule. Yeah. Um the the word of God if the word of God isn't making you feel uncomfortable, you're not reading it. Because it's going to challenge your ideas. It's yeah. going to challenge your your assumptions. It's going to challenge your heart. And so when we see this, Jesus says, "You need to ab- you need to keep my commandments or you're not going to be able to abide in my love." That's right. It sounds counterintuitive to some people, especially some in some ass in some corners of the gospel-centered movement, uh, struggle with this, and it's really because they have a misunderstanding of the law of God. Well, I think specifically they have a misunderstanding of the third use of the law. Right. And uh, Joe, I know you've spoken about this before. Can you kind of go over, you know, let what is the first two uses of the law? But really, let's let's talk about the third use of the law and why people struggle with that. Sure. The in the Reformed tradition, we talk about three uses of the law being, one, uh, through the threat of punishment, it uh, deters disobedience. So uh, the reason I don't drive 
uh, 30 miles over the speed limit when I'm coming to Jimmy's house is not because I think it's wrong. It's because I don't want you to get a ticket yeah, because that's cigar money that. that I lose if I have to pay a ticket. And then I got to pay for your cigar. Yeah, which I'm okay with. But um, so it's the threat of punishment that will curb sin. And this is, this is true, especially in the life of non-believers, the threat of punishment. Don't do this or you're going you're gonna to pay. So that's one use, the first use of the law. The second use of the law is that it exposes our sin and shows us our need for Jesus. And this may, might even be the most dominant emphasis in the New Testament, that the law shows us that we cannot measure up. The law shows us our weakness. It shows us, it's like a mirror. When you look at this perfect mirror, uh, it reflects an imperfect person back. And what we see are all the ways in which we are not just flawed, but yeah. rebellious and sinful. So the law shows us our weakness, condemns us, and prepares us for the Savior. And then the third use of the law is that the law remains, for the Christian, a rule of godly obedience. In other words, the law is good. There's no problem with the law. The, the law tells us God's will and God's ways, and it is inherently spiritual, holy, and good. The problem is us that yeah. we do not resonate with God's law naturally until we are born again, and then we have this desire to do the things that God calls us to do, and by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the, the work of Jesus, we are enabled to walk in God's ways, not, not perfectly yet, but we are enabled to walk in them. So the law, the third use, is that it remains a rule for godly living. When we see God's commands, they are real. They mean something, yeah. and he expects us to obey him. That sounds kind of harsh, right? Like how that God expects us to obey him, but I think, you know, he knows, we know, we we fail at that. Well, yeah, again, God doesn't expect us to obey him in order to earn his love. He already loves difference. us. That's he expects us to obey him because his ways are good. Mm -hmm. That that we should delight in the ways of God because they are his ways. We reflect his glory when we walk in his ways. It is good for us when we walk in his ways. It is good for others when we walk in his ways. So yes, God expects us to do what he calls us to do. He commands it with the intention that we should and will, by his grace, obey. This is why Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say that. I, you know, uh, I can't say that to my wife. If you love me, you're going to do what I say. Yeah, of course. Because our relationship is not that of God and uh, uh, sinner. Exactly. It is, um, it is that of husband and wife. And so when, it, when Jesus is saying, well, if you love me, you'll love me as for who I am as the Lord, mm -hmm. and therefore you will do what I say. So obedience is one of the means by which we obey, mm -hmm. not cold obedience divorced from faith. That's right. But faith-driven obedience, this this because it's like this because we have the word of god and the promises of god because we abide in the gospel of god and the love of god we are able to abide in that love through obedience because obedience first of all shows us that well i don't measure up but christ did measure up yeah and because of that i am empowered to walk in those ways so it's this this uh, abiding is we we abide in faith and we obey in faith not because we're trying to uh uh, merit God's love, as you said. But here's the thing, though, is that for all this, including, you know, so when we're looking at Scripture, when we're focusing on the gospel, when we're obeying God's word, there's there's a purpose behind that. We do it in faith, but God gives us this. This He calls us to this because it leads to something else. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be full. Right. Right. So it's supposed to lead then uh, to this overwhelming joy and delight for who God is. Yeah. Ultimately. Right. And so it's it's this mean for the person that abides in Christ. We talked about the fruit of that is 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 uh, fruitfulness. But I think the the overarching fruit of that is joy in God. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Delighting in him above all other things, as Piper would say. You know, if you if you lack Christian joy, then you are not abiding. Mm-hmm. I when I when I am not a joyful believer, I know now that it is because I am not close to Jesus experientially. That's right. So I need to draw near. How do we draw near? By the word, the promises of the gospel, and obedience. And I think one of the main ways, one of the main spiritual disciplines that that speeds this on or carries it on is the discipline of prayer yeah prayer because prayer is what are we doing we are we are working through the truths of god expressing our needs and our desires resting upon the promises of god you know um i think it was manton who said that when we pray we are not so much um telling God anything he needs to hear as much as we are warming our own hearts yeah. by the preaching of the word. He says that we are preaching to ourselves in mm-hmm. prayer. And that's, that's very much true. And I, it actually kind of reminds me that um, there are two books on audible.com yeah. that, uh, that are really good for, uh, for prayer, two that I, I really want to recommend to you guys. If you're finding it like you don't have a lot of time to read or maybe you just have a long commute and since we only have two podcasts uh, a week, you have other days of the week that you might want to be listening to stuff. Well, the listeners of Doctrine and Devotion uh, are going to get a free audiobook download from audible.com plus a free 30-day trial. So here's how it works. If you go to audibletrial.com slash doctrine, if you go there, you can sign up. You get a free 30-day trial of Audible. You can download any of the books that you want or one of the books that you want. They have a huge selection. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend A Praying Life by uh, Paul Miller. It's called A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. It is one of the few modern treatments of prayer that I really like. Yeah. Also, Prayer by Tim Keller, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. Either one of those are going to serve you really well. If you go to audibletrial.com slash doctrine, sign up, uh, you can get that book and try it out. Uh, you can cancel your trial at any time during the 30 days or after. So if you don't want to start paying the monthly fee, sign up, check it out. If you don't want to continue to do it, unsubscribe, you still get to keep the book. There you go. Book free. You lose nothing. That's right. So go and check it out. That's going to... That's going to help. So abiding, uh, something that I know I want to do more of, I know Jimmy wants to do more of, and mm-hmm. we're encouraging each other in this, especially as we're going on, we're getting ready to go away on a conference. Yep. Um, we want this to be a time when we're not just going and doing or just going and sitting there, but we really want to make sure that when we do all of this, when we listen to the speakers or maybe we're speaking or whatever we're doing, that we do so very close to Jesus as we abide. Awesome. You know what time it is? Mailbag time. Mailbag. Mailbag. Time. Here we go. Are you, you ready? What are we doing? Which one? Uh, we're gonna go with this one from Jared Hiller. 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 All right. He says this. Hey Joe. Well, it's just to me. It's just to you. Well, you'll find out why. As a short man, no, how do you it does find not say that when you're preaching okay. that the congregation can see you. From why the back? do you make stuff up? That's not what it says. All right, fine. Here's what it says. Hey, Joe, I'm a huge metal fan as well. How do we defend, if that's the word in this case, what we listen to to fellow believers? 
Love the cast, guys. Very thought-provoking and entertaining. Keep it up, please. Well, he's asking me because I am uh, a metal fan. I listen to a lot of heavy metal. People know that mm-hmm. if they follow me online. Uh, the books that I've written they've and the articles that I write, all of those I'm writing, I'm writing with earbuds in and heavy metal blasting, Christian and secular. And he wants to know, like, well, some people, some people must be pushing back for him. Yeah, I'm guessing. Like, how do we justify this? I don't think we need to justify anything, uh, but any art that we enjoy does need to be evaluated. Um, defining art itself is a whole podcast that mm-hmm. we're really not equipped to get into. Nope. But uh, if you're calling something art, if you're receiving something as art, then sure, it should be evaluated. And I think uh, whether it's a movie or a book or music. We have to determine what it is and what's happening. Now, I am not of the mindset that uh, rhythm or timbre, as one recent pastor put it. What is timbre? Uh, it's a girl I used to know in the 80s. Um, makes uh, a music bad or good. Uh, the arrangement of notes to create melody, whether minor or major, mm-hmm. does not make music bad or good. Um, what I would say is that music, like all art, is going to, number one, communicate something. Yeah. Number two, it's going to evoke a feeling in you, some kind of a response in you. Mm-hmm. And so we need to evaluate those things. What is being communicated and how do I interact with it? What does it make me think and how does it make me feel? So all of those things are legitimate concerns. And I would say this. If you just consume any kind and every kind of art or entertainment and you never say no to anything, you're not doing it right. Yeah, exactly. Because there's stuff out there that you should not be taking in. But there are things that you can take in. Maybe there's something that you can listen to that another person can't because it makes them feel something that isn't godly. Yeah. Or maybe it takes them to a different place. But so far as a music, it, it music is, um, the music that I listen to is true. Um, and if it's good music, if they are using their, their natural abilities given to them by the Lord, uh, I tend to enjoy it. The bands yeah. that I listen to tend to sing about the realm of creation, right? Even the non-Christian ones. So they sing about death, justice, or injustice, war. They sing about love. They sing about agony. Yeah. And yes, metal tends to focus on, does not exclusively, but it does tend to focus on some of the darker elements of life. And that resonates with me. It always has. So I listen to those things, and it makes me think of truth. It makes me think of scripture, and it encourages me to actually pray. Um, There are some bands that I don't listen to that I used to listen to when I was lost, and uh, I listen to some Christian bands that are very, very good. I'm going to go ahead and recommend a couple, A Hill to Die Upon is a very good Illinois-based metal band. One of those metal bands that is so good that when secular magazines review their album, they have to tell the audience to calm down. They're Christian. Don't, have, don't freak out. It, and they'll say something like, A Hill to Die Upon is one of the best bands in the genre. Okay, well. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I would say. Uh, don't worry about it. And uh, evaluate your music. Make sure that what you're doing and what you're listening to is good and that your conscience is clear, and I think you're okay. All right. Well, here <laughs> is the email. And there's been a bunch of these, actually, Jimmy. Yep. Uh, the subject is No Way Wayne. <laughs> Jimmy, I, you may... No, 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 it doesn't what? say that. It just says... It says, well, it says you, you yeah, but that's you. singular you, and it's definitely to you. I looked it up in the Greek. So it says, <laughs> Jimmy... 
you made an unfair and fleeting reference. I don't to think way- he said unfair. He said you made a fleeting reference. In, in the original language, it implies. <laughs> you made a fleeting reference to Wayne Grudem as No Way Wayne in one of your episodes. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a couple. And implicitly, maybe explicitly, discouraged people from reading his systematic theology book. I'm wondering if you might elaborate, as it was not clear whether you were saying that Grudem's is not as good as others. We're definitely saying that. Yeah. Or that it is bad. His is the systematic theology book that I have, and they are expensive, so I can't be buying new ones all willy-nilly. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work, Kent. Well, thanks, Kent. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it's not as fleeting as as uh, you might think. Um, personally, I mean, yeah, maybe to some degree, it's a personal preference. Uh, I have what I have read Wayne's uh, systematic theology. I have read other systematic theologies. And uh, I have, I am persuaded that the other ones are better. I don't think it's as good as uh, Burkhoff's uh, systematic theology, or Hodge, or Hodge, or Bavink, or Bavink, or Horton, or Horton, <laughs> or even or, or Beyonce. You know, Beyonce. Beyonce's abstract. Beyonce's abstract. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, you could take it as a personal preference um, that I, I just don't think it. I don't think it matches up. Um, Part, listen, Wayne's book is, is a good book. Uh, well, yeah. But it's not... I'm sure it's helped people. It's helped a lot of people. And I think because it is um, written in a way that is easily accessible, yes. that people have really resonated with it. Um, I have problems with some of the conclusions that he draws on the millennium for, as just one example um, and some of the other things that he has written. But... There, I agree with Jimmy. If I have to encourage somebody to have one systematic theology, it would not be that one. No, we both like uh, Burkhoff as yes. uh, as a as an accessible one volume. It's a true systemat. So check out Lewis Burkhoff. Uh, if you're a Baptist, we need a really good Reformed Baptist systematic theology. You can get uh, James Boyce's abstract of systematic theology. Yeah. You can get John Leland Dagg's manual of theology. But uh, hey, Jim Renahan. Or uh, Richard Barcelos, we we need one of you big dogs to get on this and and make us a great Reformed Baptist systematic theology. Please do it. But for now, you're stuck with the Dutch Reformed and the Presbyterians. That's it. Um, So, so, you know, it's not, this is not a critique of Wayne Grudem himself or his faith. No, no, no. You know, uh, so I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, It's, I just think there's better volumes out there. And I I think Wayne would say that as well. I mean, no, no, no writers. He wouldn't say no way, Wayne. He wouldn't say no way, Wayne. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written it. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I, I want to say I know his motivations and his heart is is in the right place. Um, I just, yeah, I'm going to go with his, somebody his else. view of the spiritual gifts. You know, there, there's just areas yeah. in there where I just don't think it's helpful. But uh, look, and we're having fun here, so um, that's the other part. No know. way, Wayne just sounded good. Yeah, it was good, and it stuck. So uh, yeah, check uh, check out Burkoff. Um, and you need more than one systematic. So uh, get Burkhoff. Hold on to Grudem. It's good to compare. Uh, you can pick up um, Horton's book. Uh, but I would have more than one. What about the abstract? I think the, for just if you're a Baptist, you need to have the abstract of yeah. systematic theology by James Pettigrew Boyce um, because there. I mean, it's really based on his lectures uh, when he was teaching. Um, but it's good. It's good. And um, good to balance it out with uh, R.L. Dabney's uh, lectures in systematic theology is good, and it feels different when you read it because it's written differently. But we'll, we'll link everything in the show notes so you guys can check it out. 
thanks for the question, man, and for uh, you know wanting that clarity on that. Uh, so, Joe, yeah, podcast time, podcast recommendation. We're trying to recommend good podcasts to listen to besides ours because we don't do five a week. Nope, we can't do five a week. Nope, we can only do two a week. So um, you're going to want to listen to some other stuff. Unfortunately, um, there isn't another Jofo out there. Mm-mm. So you're going to have to settle. This week, we're encouraging you to settle for Happy Rant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy Rant. You know, it's got uh, Big R, Big T. Pipes. Pipes. Uh, it's funny. I know a lot of people uh, around here, they love the Happy Rant. And they have a brand new logo. Yes. New logo, same cynicism. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's a... Uh, it's uh, it's a cool logo. Mm-hmm. I really like those guys. Barnabas Piper is a great guy. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Podcast is the good. other guys. I have no idea who they are. I, uh, heard, I heard one of them has uh, really nice hair. Is that Cluck? Cluck. I don't know who Cluck is. Cluck is one of the guys. I don't know. I I only know them by their like their, their handles. Their, their handles. Their nicknames that they have for each other. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's 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 definitely worth listening to at least until you get back to Doctrine and Devotion on Mondays and Thursdays. <laughs> We got to thank uh, J- Justin Bond, not James Bond. That's a different guy. Justin Bond is deadlier and better looking. Justin Bond is uh, the head of J Bond Media. He is our engineer and editor. Mm-hmm. He makes us sound good. Uh, if you have any editing needs, photo, video, whatever, contact J Bond Media. He will hook you up. The guy is amazing. Perfect. You can also leave a review at iTunes. We appreciate uh uh, all the things you guys have have said, it's an encouragement. We appreciate that. And if Leave you guys, an honest review, make sure it's five stars. If you guys hate iTunes, that's okay. Like whatever, then uh, review us on your preferred platform. Thank you. We're uh, we're equal opportunity. We'll take all of them. Yeah, man. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Doc and Devo, and also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Doctrine and Devotion. You can leave us a comment or send us an email through our Contact Us page on the website. So be sure and do that. I've had a couple of people ask, hey, you keep mentioning the show notes, but I don't see that on the, on the podcast. Now, the show notes are on the website. So go to DoctrineAndDevotion.com for each episode, and that's where we link to all the goodies that you can um, purchase. And if you purchase anything through Amazon on our website, if you click through the banner at the top or any of our links, uh, it doesn't make you uh, incur any extra charges, but we get a small percentage of that, and that will hopefully, over the next 15 years, allow us to pay for these uh, boom mics and arms that we are using right now. Please. Also, tell a friend. We would love for you to share this podcast with Sharing others. caring. If you, <laughs> if you like it. Check us out every Monday and Thursday for Fresh Pod, and uh, we'll see you then. Later. Later.